This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. everyone, welcome to Best Bets for Pets. I'm your show host, Michelle Fern. And today, we're going to have a special guest, and it's all about sizzling summer tips. So, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here, your host on Best Bets for Pets and Catitude. Ben and Jerry's has frozen treats for dogs. I know Nikki is going to love this. He loves a frozen treat. They have two different flavors. One is Punch's Mix, which is peanut butter and pretzel. And the other one is Rosie's Batch, which is pumpkin and mini cookies. You know, I kind of like both of those flavors too, but my absolute favorite is fish food. Anything Ben and Jerry's is always fabulous because the quality is so good and their mixes are so delicious. Be sure to check out more about these frozen dog desserts as well as pictures of all the caniners at the Ben and Jerry's Vermont office at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. everyone. I'm so excited for today because, hey, we're talking about summer and I have a special guest, my good buddy, Cheryl Kay. You might have heard her podcast. I hope you did. It's Unleashed. Welcome, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. You know what, Cheryl? It's summertime. I mean, we're both happen to be based in South Florida where it's summertime, like, uh, what, 10 months out of the year? And it's 13, hot. 13 months. <laughs> yeah, sometimes 13, it feels like it. But for most of at least uh, the northern hemisphere, am I saying that right? You know, most of the country, it's summertime. For all of the US, it's summertime. And with summertime, there comes some really good guidelines that all pet parents, pet lovers have to keep in mind because there's so many things that pet parents don't think, you know, so many things that are obvious, but there's so many things that they're like, really, I didn't know that. And every year you read about some horrific, you know, horrible little pooch that was suffocated in a car or passed out because of the heat or something like that. So the goal, what we want to do is just talk about some of these great tips and hopefully save some fur babes lives. Right, Cheryl? Right. So let's just get it out in the open. We're talking about people honestly that really need some kind of guidance because maybe it's their first pet and they, they're going on trips with the family. I mean, a lot of things are opening now. A lot of people take their animals to parks. So these are for newbie pet owners who might not know. Right. And speaking of people that leave their animals in a car when it's hot, karma, that's, karma. that's a whole other show. And that's just a whole other thing. So we're, we're yeah, we're not going there. But here's something. A lot of pet parents, especially new pet parents, don't realize even with car trips 
that in some climates, car trips are, forget about it. No. When I lived in Los Angeles, I would take my dog for a little car trip sometimes to just, you know, she liked it. But there, the weather is not the same as it is in South Florida. It's much cooler. It's much less humid. If you live in a warm place, and if especially in the summer where it's warm almost everywhere, of course, in the US and in most of North America, try to avoid car trips unless you're going to the vet, you're going to board your pet, you're going to drop your pet off at, you know, um, a pet play date or something. Or if you're traveling with your pet, and it can't be helped. Don't take your dog for little car trips, even if the window's down, it's too hot for them. No, um, we're talking car trips that are a trip where you have with the well, car trips on. that are just like, Oh, I'm going to the store, let me take my dog no, with there's me. No need. And you know, if you're going to the pet store, that's different. But if you're just, you know, Oh, I'm going to run a little errand, and I'll take the dog in with me, which first of all, most dogs are not allowed in stores in the US unless they are for special services, anything special, you know, special needs, special services for working dogs. Yeah, I would. Okay. I would, Otherwise, I wouldn't do that. If they let every animal in. You know, I've seen people in like these box stores. I think that's dangerous. It's dangerous to bring kids into these stores. Things could fall and they get overwhelmed with people. You know, I don't think that's the greatest thing for a pet. Well, I see sometimes that, you know, the ladies are shopping and sorry, it's, I've, I've seen them with ladies. I'm not trying to be biased here. And they'll think, you know, oh, I'll take my little pet out. And some people have the little carriages for their pets. That's fine. But when it's 90 and you're hot, your pet is really, really hot. Maybe think about leaving the pet at home. 90 degrees humidity is not good. Right. So I think we've beaten this subject up okay. right here. Try not to take your pet out unless you really have to, especially, well, of course, we're talking summertime. So in the summertime. Yeah. I, I'm, you have I, I'm thinking trips, family trips. That's, that's, that's different. what I'm thinking. I'm not. That's different. You know, that I wouldn't. It's too stressful unless, you know, uh, it's just too stressful for an animal and it's not really necessary. Right. And also, I would say limit the time your pooch is outside. Try to avoid the high sun time, which is like they say between 11 and 3 are the high sun times when the sun's beaming pretty much overhead. And that's the time when, you know, you have to apply sunscreen every 10 minutes or so. Try to avoid having your pet pooch outside at those times. And also, Cheryl, I want to hear you had a really good tip about the pavement. Yeah, if you put your hand on the pavement, because, you know, it's hot now. And it's going to be getting harder. And if you can't keep your hand there for 10 seconds, your pet shouldn't be on it. But I have to tell you, I watched where I lived yesterday, where I live. A guy was walking his dog. It's a little poodle, but the dog is smarter than him. So he walks the dog off the grass on the pavement. The dog goes on the grass, does not move. And he finally gets it in his head that on the grass, number one, is comforting and it's shady. The dog did not want to go on the pavement. The dog was smarter than him it's, and the dog won. Right. If, you, if you're taking your dog out, walk on your grass. You know, take them. If you don't have a yawn, maybe there's some grass right in front of your apartment building or something. Do that and just get the business done. You package it up, dump it, you're done. Avoid pavement. There's another thing. If you don't want to put your hand on the ground, also just put your bare foot on the ground too. Same if thing. it's hot for you, too hot for your dog. 
you know, even though the the pads of our feet versus our paws are a little different, the feeling of the heat is pretty close. So that's a great rule of thumb. Well, I'm not for, you know, dressing animals up, but they do have some, to me, I would use, you know, even like a baby, an infant's uh, sock. You could put things, you could put this goop stuff that a lot of places uh, sell to put on their paws. It's good for the sand, it's good for dirt, and it's good for pavement. And then they say even when you bring the dog in, you could moisturize their paws. I mean, because they're sensitive there. They are. And keep in mind whatever you're using on your dog's feet, make sure they're breathable because, you know, they don't breathe and sweat like we do. It's a lot of on their pads and on their nose and from their panting. So it's a different type of way how, is how they feel temperature. Also, I'm glad you brought up paw pads because that's one of my, I have a peeve about paw pads. You make sure, especially in summer when your dog is in, you know, sand and dirt and, and who knows what, you check your dog's paw pads. You know, in some places, you know, those little sticky burrs yeah, that yeah. come up, they can get stuck in your dog's paw pad and cause an am- amazingly horrible infection. So it's a good habit every day to just check your dog's paw pads. Well, just and, think, think of yourself walking outside barefoot. What would you do when you came in? You check. Right. You just got to be smart about it. You know, it's our responsibility to make sure that they go places where it's safe. And then if not, we bring them in and we check. I mean, that's, you know, if you can't do that, that's something so little, then I don't know what else to say. But I'm thinking in my head, you know, not day trips, although, you know, you know, with the school out and the kids are out, people are doing overnights or a couple of days, you know, in a car and stuff like that. I think when you have a pet, just like, you know, I have in my house and I have in my car, a first aid kit. And I think people should really think that when you That's go on a That's a smart trip. idea. But just before you mentioned first aid kit, I wanted to just mention something else. Also, since, you know, summer, of course, more fleas are prevalent, but also check for ticks. They're not only in woodsy areas. I'm in the tropics and one year there was just a breakout of ticks and they could be in your backyard. They could be in your backyard. And the best thing to do to just check for ticks, run your hands over your dog's body, especially I believe it's like the underarm part. I know it's not underarm, but under there, you know, where the paws meet the body, that area, by the face, by the nose, feel for any kind of bumps and make sure you look, you know, at the bump with a very good light. Most telephones have a really good flashlight on them. Our phones do everything, our smartphones do everything these days. So with a good flashlight. And I found a tip while I was doing some research, ticks really hate Listerine and, and rubbing alcohol. Yeah. So you can do that to kind of lure the tick out. And I know that part of it, this is in your first aid kit, but I just wanted to mention for people to keep on the lookout for Well, they should also ticks. use whatever their vet recommends as far as, you know, tick guard or flea guard, because also from right. mosquitoes, you could get heartworm. And, you know, if you get heartworm, you know, that's a whole different ball game. Exactly. So we're going to take a short break for our next commercial and we'll be right back and we're going to talk about what to do for your dog's first aid kit. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. 
Hello, pet lovers. This is Michelle Fern. And you know, we do so much for our pets and for everyone during the day. We're busy with work and this and that. We need a little me time, right? Well, this is what I've been doing to give myself a little refresher during the day. I love a good mystery and I love hidden object murder mystery games because it just sharpens my mind when I'm in that, you know, maybe mid-afternoon slump. In this game called June's Journey, you awaken your inner sleuth and you step right into this thrilling adventure that's set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June Parker. She's an amateur detective solving the mysterious murder of her sister. This game is totally free to download and it really puts your power of observation, your memory skills and logic skills to the test. And it leaves you totally refreshed to take on the rest of your day. So join the 30 million fans across the globe and awaken your inner detective with June's Journey. It's very fun. So be sure to check out June's Journey. You can download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Best Bets for Pets, and I'm here with Cheryl Kay, and we're going to talk about what to put in your dog's first aid kit. Having a first aid kit for your pooch is a necessity for travel or just just if you're going to the dog park having that first aid kit with these items that we're going to mention can make the difference between a possible just a heartache for your dog to making something more palatable that you could just get through until you can get to the vet right wouldn't you say yes i mean you have to be prepared have to be prepared yeah what's your number one thing number one well, it doesn't have to be numbered. I just came up with a list. Flashlights, gauze, definitely an, an extra collar and leash because sometimes if you're on a trail and something should happen, your dog could get out of his leash and his collar. Non-stick bandages, cotton balls, and Q-tips. And the old staple that you could use for everything, peroxide. Yep. And then... I have some things to add that are maybe a little pooch specific in my uh, days at going to the dog park and dealing with uh, all kinds of craziness from when I was in Los Angeles. I mean, there's crazy stuff that comes up. I would say having your first aid kit some treats and this really happened. I was in Los Angeles. It's a dog park up in the mountains and it was getting late and they were about to close and there's just myself. There was this other guy. Our dogs were hanging out. His dog, of course, listened perfectly, came right to him. And my dog's on some adventure still. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how do I get her back? I had like mints in my pocket. They weren't even with sugar in them. They were sugar-free mints. I thought, this is not going to do it. I had no treats. I had nothing. That's a good idea to and have treats. Yes. I was telling the guy, so please help me. I don't know what to do. There's coyotes in the mountains, you know, and this. Finally, 
I don't even remember. I think I was praying to the dog, God, you know, please help me. And finally, she just came up. But then I thought, never again. I'm always going to have treats in my car or, you know, in my first aid kit because you never know when you'll have to lure your dog or from someplace. Because- and my dog listened pretty good, but not 100% all the time. So, Treats are a good thing. Yeah, that is a good thing if they go for treats or a toy, but that is good. Treats are a toy, something to get their attention if you have to leave and get them away. And most dogs are pretty good at listening and paying attention. But when they're in the park and it's their time, they're off leash and they're running around, not always. And then I have one more, and this was a true life situation. There are a lot of um, stipting powders I'm familiar with the brand, and this is a brand name called Clotted. And what this is, it's a powder. And when you apply it to the injury, the blood stops. And mostly it's used on nails, but it could be used on a shallow wound and it will stop the blood. It's temporary. It's not meant to be a permanent fix. And what actually happening to, happened to me one time is Mr. Nicky, who's a little Havanese, we were moving that day and he's in the car. All of a sudden, his nail starts bleeding like crazy. And I'm like, what the heck? What's with this? Why is this nail bleeding? And his nail wasn't even really long, but you know, little, he's Havanese, he's a little dog, like 14 pounds. His nail must have split and it was bleeding. And my partner grabs band-aids, like people band-aids, and he must have gone through seven trying to wrap them around. I'm like, this is not going to work. We found a pet store, and I think we had to make two stops. We found a pet store, found, you know, the styptic powder, and in this case, I think it was clotted, solved the problem right away. So all I'm saying is, I know that some people have said, well, you can use pepper if you cut a nail honey. or something. Honey also. How messy is honey? This is just powder. You press it on or you put some in your hand, put their nail in there. It just stops the bleeding. And it's okay, that's fabulous. A good idea. It is so worth it to have it with you because you never know. And for me, it was crazy because it was moving day. And all of a sudden I have this little bleeding puppy and it turned out it was nothing you major. Use it it's for just people nails. too, right? I don't know. Probably. I probably. Yeah, that sounds like a very good thing to have. But it's a good thing to have. We have it in the house. We have it in our first aid kit. It's just phenomenal to have. So those are two of my favorites. Also tweezers. Definitely. And And scissors. And scissors. And a magnifying glass. Magnifying glass. And also saline eye solution. Because sometimes they can get into something. And it's just a matter of just using the saline to like wash it out. You should still check with your vet, but just- I don't know. Could you use that on an animal as opposed to just water? Saline eye solution? Yeah, I think so. I looked at many, many sources, but check with your vet. Just check with your vet. You know, sometimes your dogs just get into something and it'll irritate their eyes just like people. And which brings me to another thing, since we're talking about eyes, you know how your dog likes to stick his head out the window or her head out the window when you're driving? Very dangerous. Not a good idea. Very Um, bad. I once, my dog once jumped out, so that can happen. And two, by your dog sticking their head out the window, the wind is blowing, right? There's a lot of debris out there. I don't think too many people smoke these days, but you have ashes that could fly. There's too much stuff that could fly into your dog's eyes and irritate them and their ears too. It's just not good. Yeah, no, it's very dangerous. First of all, I don't even think people do that anymore. Although I I I do see videos of it. 
you know, little here and a little there. But, you know, you got to really be careful. I mean, I've heard nightmare stories. Also, milk of magnesia for poisons and a digital thermometer. That's good. And I would recommend having, there's a lot of telemedicine these days that are really, really good. I know um, one of our show hosts, Dr. Jeff is on one and there's a lot of telemedicine and, you know, you have it on your phone. They can see what you're doing and they can see your dog if there's something of urgency. And it's just like a, a lifesaver rather than panic. And, you know, these things never happen when it's, you know, oh, I could just run to the vet. They happen late at night, early in the morning, weekend, what have you. Having a telemedicine app on your phone is just a great idea. It's so accessible. What do you think about those, Cheryl? Yeah, no, that I think is a very good idea. But also, if you were going to go on a trip, I mean, we've all taken some pets in the car or people who have taken, you know, cats on a plane when you used to be able to do these things. You always consult your vet first. If I was going on a long trip with a dog, I would certainly consult my vet about what he thought I should bring. If they see even Benadryl for allergies, your dog could get stung by a bee and he could blow up or he could have some kind of reaction that could really be traumatic when you're in a park or on a trail. I mean, a lot of people take, you know, their animals on trails in the woods. You could be two, three hours in. You have to have water. You have to have a bowl. And you really have to be smart about where you go and the time limit that it takes, because you should also have a carrier in your car for a smaller pet, you know, a smaller dog. We're not really talking cats because cats really wouldn't. They're unusual ones that would like a, to go on a hike. But just in case something happens, because I also read about those jackets to calm them, that in case something should happen, I know you could always use a towel to put it around snug, but they even have these new muzzles now that are so soft that if something was happening, I'm not talking about their face, but you know how animals get agitated. Say, say they cut their leg or they had a problem with another animal and they had a fight and they got wounded. They growl, whatever. You can make them feel karma by putting this on them and putting that jacket on them until you got to a vet, till you could access it. And you know what I'm thinking now? I mean, even though we mentioned a scissor, maybe a razor that if you thought there was a wound, you could shave in that area to see. That might be something. What do you think? I'm not going near my dog with a razor. I'll call better. Well, I don't mean a razor, a shaver. A shaver? Not a razor, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. If you have to. One thing, too, since we were talking about sun and heat and summer and everything, keep in mind that light-haired dogs and short-haired dogs can actually get sunburn. We're becoming better and better pet parents all the time. So now, yes, there is doggy sunburn, a sunburn lotion and spray. And a you want to would be good. Right, well, you want to make sure it's for dogs, though, because the one that's for people oh, is not always safe enough for dogs. No, we clog your pores. And then just to end an ending, I want to just mention what to do when your dog gets overheated, because this is something just to know about. Wouldn't you say, Cheryl? Yes, that's very important. The so, signs, the signs aren't like for people. It's different. And, and also for those of us that have long hair dogs that have a shorter coat that keep them cool. Yes, I know about that. I know that short hair dogs stay cooler 
and dogs that have double coats, but guess what? They can all get heat exhaustion and they can all, if they get heat stroke, it can be, can can be fatal. They so, can die. so here's what you want to do. Your dog's temperature should never be over 104. The average is about 101 to 102.5. So there, if you have a doggy thermometer in your first aid kit, that's something. But the most important and most basic is look for signs of heat exhaustion. If your dog's panting excessively, if your dog's drooling, if your dog feels a little like, you know, kind of spaced out or whatever. Well, their eyes too. Yeah, because dogs, eyes, dogs do pant to cool off. So that They be pant normal. to cool off. But if they're panting excessive, like, you know, your pooch, if they're panting like crazy, then you need to be concerned. Okay. Now, this is all heat exhaustion. It's not heat stroke, but let's say your dog, whether it's heat exhaustion, heat stroke, before, if you catch the heat stroke in the beginning stages, what you can do is take your dog, move your dog to a cooled area, a shaded area, pour some cool water over your dog, continue pouring cool water over your dog, try to get your dog to drink some water. That could be challenging if your dog's a little nauseated. So try to do that. And Cool water cools the brain on the head. Yeah, and it cools them down. And heat stroke, that can be fatal in as little as maybe 10, 20 minutes. So you want to make sure to catch it early. That's why talking about the heat and your fur baby and the heat and everything, it's so crucial to keep your dog out of the heat because heat stroke happens fast. Every year we hear these horror stories, you know, oh, I, I was only gone 10 minutes. I left my dog in the car. It was just a few minutes and just, and then 10 minutes comes 20 minutes and you think, oh, they'll be fine. No, your dog can die in as little as 10 minutes. Don't do it. So these are just some tips. What other tips do you think, Cheryl, if there's, if your dog has, you know, either signs of heat exhaustion, heat stroke, you know, that where you think you can bring your dog back, what else would you say would be a good thing to do? If I had a cold pool, I'd throw them right in it. Shock them. I don't know. Well, they say shocking is not so good. If it's really cold, it should be cool water. Well, what pool is very cold? Right, especially in 90 But, you know, talking about pools, well, really anywhere because it's in the sun. But talking about pools, if a lot of dogs love to swim. I mean, they have this new thing now. They dive. Dogs are jumping off of docks and they love it. But, you know, if you take a dog into a pool, you have to show them how to get out of the pool because they're not going to have the strength from the pool to just jump out. So they have to know where the steps are. They don't have like what we could do with our arms. So, but I just think you have to carry water with you. You have to be smart and, you know, you have to be responsible. I mean, it's not just you if you're going on a hike and you have to think when people go on long walks, you're talking 10 miles, 10 miles might be too long for a dog. Yes, especially in the summer. And then just quick comment when you said you're, if your dog's in the pool, I see a lot of dogs in the ocean too. Make sure you give your dog a bath. Chlorine is not good for their skin. It's not good for people's skin or skin either. Salt water can be really drying, drying for people. It's drying for the dog. So keep that in mind. Don't think, oh, my dog took a bath. He went into the water. Kitty pools. Kitty pools. Kitty pools are okay. I mean, it's just water. It's water. You know, it's not chlorine in the water. But pool pools, that's chlorine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good for you. So what would you say your number one tip and everything we talked about would be if you hadn't say just one, Cheryl? I would just say be careful in the heat 
either walk your dog just before the sun comes up and in the shade or late in the evening if your dog can handle it. You have to be careful because the cement really is hot, is really brutal. And now in the summer, it really is. I mean, you know, walk out there. You don't even have to put your, I was going to say you're poor. You don't have to put your hands <laughs> or your feet there. Just feel what it does to you. I mean, I get in my car if you don't have one of those those things for the windshield. Oh, the windshield, the visor. Yeah. I, I, oh, sometimes it's, if you don't have one of those things, you could just burn your hands literally on your steering wheel. Yeah. So, I mean, just because you want your friend with you all the time doesn't mean it's good for your friend. Going into the woods, walking an animal in the woods isn't such a bad idea because there is shade there. But normally, we don't do that. Normally, on an everyday basis, we're taking them out to do their business outside. And you just have to be aware. We have grass. It's a shame. You certainly don't want to do it where you're going to upset a neighbor or where people walk. But you have to really be smart. I know with a lot of where I live, some people have these little, I don't know, trophy animals. They're little tiny things. They don't even walk them. They go on wee-wee pads in the house. They fit in pocketbooks. Yeah, the mini teacups. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, but... You I'd know. say we, we've gone over so many tips. I'd have to say my number one thing, keep your dog inside where it's cool when it's the super hot time in the summer, when it's the 90-degree days, the humid days. Just keep them in the, inside. Take them out to just do their business. Keep how them long inside. Do you, how many times do you think a dog goes out a day? Three, four? Three times, maybe four times. But if your dog's on the grass, if it has to be during, you know, the high sun times, maybe 10 to 3, 11 and 3, just go out quickly, go on grass, bring them in. That's it. Could you imagine people in the cities where there's no grass? They well, there's usually, I mean, right in front of their place or they saw little grass things, but that's a whole other show too. So I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, let me come down with my grass. <laughs> Right, let me come down with my grass. Or they put their grass on their balcony. If they have a balcony. True. Because even around the trees in some cities, they've wired it up that you can't even do it. Oh, it's just too many things to think about. Well, we're in the tropics, not the city. So one thing we have to be careful about is our dogs melting in this uh, heat. But anyways, Cheryl, it's been so much fun having you on Best Bets for Pets. You guys take a listen to Unleashed by Cheryl Kay. It is so informative, so funny. Cheryl does it like nobody else. So thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming on Best Bets for Pets. Thanks for having me anytime. And I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone listening. Thank you so much for listening to Best Bets for Pets. We've been on air over 10 years now, almost 11. It's incredible. Thanks to my pet crew, Molly, Charlotte, Dennis, Nikki, and Sammy and Jethro. Why I have to always think about them, I don't know. Because their names should just come off my mouth very quickly. And thanks, of course, to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guests sound wonderful. And I keep listening. You never know what's coming up. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.